All right. Last week, we talked about the faults, the illegalities in the trial of Jesus to this point, and there will be several others. But after the class, Tim uh, came up to talk to me, and uh, the wealth of things I do not know is, is quite a deep wealth. Uh, and I talked about how in the Roman time, the peace of the people was more important than any person, so that people were often killed, flogged, imprisoned, when everybody knew they were innocent. It was just, this will quiet things down and keep the peace. And I brought up that a man in, much in the news right now, and I, I'm aware that everything you say about news right now sounds political. Please remember, I'm not a member of a party and don't want to be. Um, and they haven't invited me to their party anyway, um, that Robert Mueller put four people in prison and kept them there for years knowing they were innocent, refusing to allow that to get to trial because if they got out of prison, it would compromise one of his CIs, a, a, um, an informant. And you know, we, look at the, we should be appalled by that. We should be absolutely appalled. But I brought up back then. And then Tim came up, and do you remember what we were talking about? I don't have, um, can we make this mic live? Are you able to do that, Mike? Could you talk to us, because you talked about trials being against the people, or the state of Tennessee, and how that, do you remember our conversation? He's going to live that mic for us. Is it on? It okay. is. What I was telling Patrick is, every time a a charging document is issued when someone is charged with a crime. And in Tennessee, you can be charged with a, an indictment, a presentment, or a criminal information. And you always hear the term indictment, but it's really a presentment. But anyway, uh, the document will have uh, the, the name of the person charged, and they'll say, here's what they're charged with. And they set forth the statute and the elements of the offense that the state has to prove to convict them. And then at the end of it, it says, all of which is against the peace and dignity of the state of Tennessee. So any crime that is committed is not against uh, the, the victim is certainly the victim of the crime, but the party in interest is the state of Tennessee because the crime is committed against the peace and dignity of the state of Tennessee. And that is something I had no idea about. I, I told Tim, thank you, Tim. I told him that I'd seen before when you read court cases, and I, not like I did that a lot, but I did have a couple of courses back in undergraduate school uh, evidence and such, and you would see so-and-so versus the state of Tennessee, or so-and-so versus the United States. But that the concept of against the peace and dignity, I mean, I'd not heard that phrase before, and that, that's very helpful. Thank you, Tim. And any time that I'm, I, I say something about this, that you see a law thing, just throw your hand in the air, because there's no way I'm going to know it if you don't tell me, all right? Um, yes, you can do that now. Oh, okay, the second one I can tell you psychologically uh, very well. Uh, the first one was, why was Peter scared when Jesus healed? I think because he was relying upon his skill with the sword to save the day. When Jesus rejects the skill of the sword and undoes what Peter does, he is without options. He doesn't know what to do, and that's why he flees. Now, people make a big argument out of this, and there are books that have a whole chapter on this, 
to try to, to uh, push that Jesus was a pacifist. I just don't see that. I think there's a time that you use a sword and a time that you don't. Remember Ecclesiastes? A time to kill and a time to heal. This was a time to heal. Jesus was going to the cross to heal the rift between God and man. Don't interfere with Jesus going to the cross. He had already told you about this. And the book of Luke is the only one that talks about that Jesus, before all this happens, makes sure they understand they can be armed. When he said, before I told you, don't take anything. This time I'm going to tell you, sell something if you have to, but get a sword. Remember that? Only Luke covers that. So I, uh, we're not warmongers and we're not uh, pacifists either one. And that's a confusing middle. But I think that's, we had removed Peter's options and he didn't know what to do. And now he was facing a mob without a plan. And I think that that's, that's why. But then, um, I, I love that. In, by the way, I've never been asked that question. The woman that looks at Peter and goes, wait a minute, you were with him. You're one of those with him. The scripture says was related to Malchus who got his ear cut off. Why didn't it say to Malchus who got his ear, ear put back on? And the answer is there's a bias in, in, your, in your mind. Uh, there are names for all of these things in psychology. Um, there are, there's a bias in your mind to remember the negative, not the positive. Now, if you don't know how easy that is, by the way, uh, that's part of my talking on fear when I work with the FBI National Academy. In September, for example, I'm flying to San Antonio for, um, it's a huge convention of detectives and inspectors, investigators of different groups. And I'll be talking for four, three hours, four hours? The morning. I can't remember how long they've got me slotted in on the science of fear and memory. So I do a lot of that study. Um, if you want it, you don't have to do this right now, but you could, you could, you could do half of it. And that is if I ask you to close your eyes and remember a really bad thing, a bad incident, a bad day or whatever, you will actually find a collection from which uh, it, the bad comes. Then if I ask you to close your eyes and remember the best day you ever had, it takes a lot and you can watch people struggle for it. And eventually, and what I do is I ask them, visualize it. Don't just remember it, visualize it. What was the sun like, what, or the weather? What, where were you? What clothes were you wearing? It is far easier to remember the terror than it is the joy. There, there's a reason for this. If I see a snake, I need to react. If I see a pretty flower, I don't have to. So we are designed to remember the negative to save our lives. The problem is when that comes in to actually take joy away from our life, uh, where we're allowing the negative to misserve. For example, let's do it another way. Um, this is a music stand. Now, you know that, even if you've never used a music stand, and you know it even if you've never seen one like this before. That's called generalization. Your brain is able to recognize that's a chair. Even though you've not seen a chair like that before, you understand the elements of chairdom. That's a chair. Generalization, therefore, is, is very important so that if you walk into a house and somebody has a purple chair and you've never seen a purple chair, and they say, have a seat, you don't have to say, is there a chair in the room? You know but again, that can be used as a negative. All men are, all black people are, all white people are, 
all Republicans are. You see what I mean? Um, we can overgeneralize, and that becomes, that, in, that impedes our psychology. And again, I don't want to go to, uh, I can talk about this for years because it's what I do, but I don't want to bore you. But that's why we remember the negative far more than a positive. Even on a Mother's Day, the emotions of today, we, we, we bubble up to get the, 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 um, the positive that we can out of the day. But there are people that struggle because there are some negative ones that keep the bubbles from coming up. All right? And that's, um, that's understandable. There are roadblocks in the, in the synapses that we form as a way to protect ourselves. I don't remember every bad thing. Um, I had a difficult childhood. There's no question about it. Some of the, that was because I was a difficult child. My brain worked different than my parents were expecting their kid's brain to work, and they never could accept this. And, and in fact, um, this sounds pitiful, and it sounds so victim-y, but don't accept. Don't, don't do that. Uh, I can remember when our dad would take us to the beach. I couldn't play in the sand, and that's what I always wanted to do. I wanted to play in the sand. I wanted to build, carve, and create things in the sand. No, we have to, this is the way you enjoy a beach. You have to go into the water, then you have to come out, then you have to do, dad, everything was regimented. Dad was not opposed to spontaneity as long as it was well-planned with a beginning point, an end point, and a, and a solid goal in front of us. Uh, now I have a almost three-year-old grandson who likes more than anything else to play in the sand. And I told my wife, finally, I get to play in the sand. You know, my brain worked different from theirs. And so that, and again, it sounds so pitiful. You're going to try to find somebody more blessed than me. You're just not going to. Um, my point being, your brain works in a very unique way. Sometimes it can hurt you. The very thing that can bless you can hurt you. Many of you are skilled drivers. That's a good thing, but it can also hurt you because you get bored. You get bored on the road because you're so good at it. So then it's a little bit more likely to let your mind drift or play with the, the phone. Or, and then we have accidents. Why do we have accidents? Because we have so many skilled drivers that they think that they'll be skilled now too. You get what I mean? So we remember the negative, and I've answered your question way too much. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, Again, chapter 19 of John, in verse 7, the Jews, Jewish leaders insisted we have a law, and according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the Son of God. So the major charge against Jesus was blasphemy, but that's not why he was put to death, because the Romans have no charge of blasphemy. He was put to death because, uh, in, in Tim's term, uh, terms, he, he compromised or he threatened the peace and dignity, was that the phrase? of the, the Roman province of Galilee. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from, he asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. Do you, do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or crucify you? We can all stop right here and go, do you know who you're talking Well, of course, he doesn't know who he's talking to. But... Um, I get people, I, I've been mad at God. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but if anybody asks that you've been mad at God, my hand goes right up. The Jews are actually very comfortable with this. And as a Jewish rabbi told me once, as I was opening up about some of this, he said, Patrick, you need to forgive God. And I looked at him and I said, God doesn't need forgiveness. He said, yes, he does. He let you down. Forgive him. 
wow, what a difference that makes in your life. When you can go to God and make peace over these things, saying, you, you let me down. You broke my heart. I had something I was counting on, and, but I'm going to love you anyway. I'm going to walk with you anyway because I know you're God and I know you're good. And by the way, I never do that cop out because I know you have a plan for me. His plan is to welcome me to heaven. It's not that I happen to be eating this food in this restaurant. Let's, let's get past this. God's plan is that you're, you're his. That's it. His plan is that. And this idea of the, when a shooter comes in, he shot this person out, that person goes, God has a plan, makes God a murderer. Let's not do that to God. Back on track, Patrick. Once I start chasing rabbits, I love rabbits. My wife hates them. We have many, 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 many. This is why Cammy can't plant much. People say, here's how you get rid of them. No, no, no. We have tunnels all over our yard. People thought they were moles. No, they're not. As I, as I cut the grass, bunnies pop out of them. I know where they are. Cammy says, well, shouldn't we put water down the tunnel? No. Why? It'd make the bunnies wet. I don't want, I like the bunnies. Anyway, let's move back here. Um, Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it was not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. Wow, is this complex. Um, summer celebration is a huge event, an amazing event at Lipscomb every year. You should go. You should really go. It's the last couple of days of June this year, and I think the first day or two of July it always goes from a, a Sunday through a Tuesday, and then on a Wednesday they do, or on a Tuesday, they, uh, they do this huge party on the plaza and amazing fireworks, but it's the speakers. They have all kinds of amazing speakers that show up, and me, that show up to speak. Love it. And this year, it's basically on God and politics and where, what do we do with ourselves as a nation out of the book of Deuteronomy, and they gave me that, they said, we're going to give you the hardest one, and I said, what? What have I ever done to you? But they tend to do this to me. And they also, they don't pay me. I trace outed that I get paid here. Sorry. But that $23 is very important to me. Uh, at, at Lipscomb, I'm not paid because I tell them not to. And it's local. I drive up and I speak. What's that? But here's the point. Paul does say that government was ordained by God. And here, Jesus... <coughs> Right as we try to find a way out of Paul, he says, you wouldn't have power if it was not given to you from above. So let me address this, if I may. And if, and if we want to talk about this the rest of the day, we can do this. <clears throat> Did God uh, ordain that Stalin would come to power? I would say no. I believe what Paul was saying was that governments were always part of the system in God's plan that we would have governments. Not kings, if you remember, he did not like kings, and he brought that up, uh, saying this is what's going to happen if you get a king. And for king, you can substitute a despot, um, dictator, anything like this. Uh, one person rule or one party rule, even. Uh, one cultural part rule. Um, or that he, he never endorsed that, but he said governments are ordained to keep the peace. And, and Paul actually even brings up the sword, doesn't he? He says he, they do not bear the sword in vain. That sword is there. Obey. Be a part of it. 
And we can, right as we try to make an end run around this, Jesus looks at Pilate and says, you wouldn't be governor if God didn't give that to you. And that seems to contradict what I just said about God didn't rise up Stalin. I would say, no, it doesn't. I think we're talking about two different things here. One, what did God set up as the way human beings are to, um, are to govern ourselves? Did he do the Paul Anka song uh, that Frank Sinatra and others made so powerful? Frank Sinatra actually didn't like the song and had to be pushed into recording My Way. Uh, he fought for quite a while and, and just hated it. But once, he, once it made him a lot of money, I think he enjoyed it more. Um, are we designed, in, if I can be so bold, uh, to, to be in the American individual myth the individualistic myth of America. Uh, in uh, all, all movies are cowboy movies. If, uh, that'll help you, if I can help with that. <coughs> you have the person who is on their own, thinks on their own, does it their own way. You know, there are two cops. One's a rebel. We know who's the hero, right? Um, you, you have a family. One's the weird one. Who's the hero? In, our, in the American myth, it's the individual, the lone ranger that sort of thing. In scripture, every book was written to a community except for Timothy and Titus. And those books were written to help them form communities where they were going. And Philemon, which was written to remind a, a man that the person he used to regard as a slave is now his brother and they must have community. Community. So governance is what the community needs. Have you ever had uh, maybe some of you have more than one child. And somebody makes the foolish mistake of, where should we go out to eat? Oh, bad question. Because mama's going to lie. She's going to say, oh, it doesn't matter. It matters. You know, it's Mother's Day. If you don't at least supersize it, you're dead. I'm, I'm just going to, you know, if you're ordering lunch through a clown's mouth, you're a dead man. I, I, I'm, it's just, I'm laying it out for you. Uh, if you didn't buy your mom something quickly do so. I bought Cammy, she's away, but I bought her an entertainment system. Well, it's a bird feeder and a BB gun, but I bought her, you know, you, you always, you find a way to celebrate the day. Now, by the way, I know you thought, that was awful, and you're also going to tell it within the next two hours to somebody else. That's the way jokes work, um, and it is a joke. I didn't, I, it was, it was a rifle, um, but the And you think I've lost my place. I have not lost my place. We need orders even in the family. You have a hierarchy. Don't let the kids run it. One of our problems in education right now is we let the students run too much. And some people this week were saying, we need to lower the voting age to 16. Seriously? Let's raise it to 30 so that people have experienced pain before they vote. And, and a, a healthy dose of reality, I think so. In fact, you ought, to be able, you ought to probably have to do a civics test and show scars, physical scars. The problem is that we, sadly, in American history, there was a time where they used tests to keep black people from voting, which was awful. You can't do that. So right now, we don't, we don't have a middle. But you have governance in, in government. We have governance in the family. That's the way humans can survive in a group. This, what Jesus is saying, though, is, Pilate, you're part of a process. You don't know what you're caught into, but you're here. 
playing a part in a drama you don't even understand. It's kind of like Judas. I've had people say, what if Judas were to say, well, I'm not going to... God knows what's going to happen, not like he's laid out this great glorious plan that some people try to... So hard, the plans every atom spend. No, he, he understood Judas ahead of time. He can see and place in the path people like he did with uh, Darius the Mede and Cyrus the Persian. He named them before they were ever born. He can decide that in the future I'm going to place this. So is it Jesus' fault, God's fault, that Judas was lost? No, because he did no worse than Peter. But Peter came back. Judas quit. That was Judas' decision. I have read suicide notes, used to ride with the police quite a bit, and I still work with them, um, that said, you made me do this. Not talking to me, but to their parents or to a husband or the like. Uh, one where a woman killed herself and her children and said their husband caused it. I've also seen a lot of them that say God did it. You're the one that did this. This is on you. You made this decision. In fact, there were quite a lot of voluntary muscle movements involved here. You went out. You purchased the gun, the knife, the rope, the poison. You then came into the house. You, you opened up the door with you know, all these voluntary. None of these were forced. You, you made a decision. Peter, um, I do not believe that God is saying that he raised up Pilate here uh, and, and made him governor of Galilee. He's just saying, no, this is all part of the process. Now, if you want to, you can push back on that, by the way, because I could be wrong on that. That's just where I've settled. Um, if you want to talk about now or later. Pilate, by the way, we, we, yes, he didn't have much of a spine, but the fact is he, he, had some, he had some goodness to him. Look at the next line. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. That's a verb form. Now, I do not read Greek. I have friends that read Greek for me. It's kind of like a, a people, some people asked me this week a cardiology question, and I said, I, that's outside my lane. It's outside the brain bucket. But I have friends, right? And so these people tell me this was, the, the verbiage here indicates a concerted continuing effort. So for hours, Pilate's trying to find a way to set Jesus free. I like to give people credit where credit's due. Yeah, he made a big mistake, but he was also, his instincts were right. It was the pressure that got to him. And by the way, isn't, we always talk about peer pressure for the kids. Aren't we all under peer pressure? Of course we are. Um, the Jewish leaders kept shouting. Now, it's not the Jews. It's the Jewish leaders. It's a subset. If you let this man go, watch this. You are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. Now, if you look back again, verse 7, they said he's got to die because he blasphemed. Here they're saying he's troubling the people, and we're going to tell. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the stove pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Please remember, at this stage, Jesus is nearly unrecognizable. He has been beaten to where he does not see well. Remember, he wasn't able to understand who was there. He could not speak well. 
People could not understand him. Remember when he said one thing, they thought he said another. His teeth are probably missing at this stage, if not, not all of them, at least a lot to them. His nose is broken. His eyes are swollen shut. He has been beaten systematically. He has been flogged. Therefore, his back is shreds. Uh, there is blood all over him, sweat. We don't like to say this, but when you're beaten like this, your bowels and your bladder let go. Uh, that's, that's part of this. It's part of the humiliation. He brings him out trying to get sympathy for him. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. Now, why would Pilate call him a king? Because that was a perfectly acceptable word. Do you remember when Abraham fought against the five kings? When, if you're thinking king, like uh, one of the future kings of Britain, because uh, they're a line of guys now, evidently, one of them's going to make it. Um, not Charles. <laughs> but just, you just know he goes to bed at night going, Burr. anyway. Um, the, uh, anybody, we would call them today like a tribal chieftain. Uh, a clan leader, not with the K in America. Clan in Scottish means child or children. Clanad is children. Um, how can I, oh, it could even be an officer. Uh, it used to be that our, uh, our areas in Breton were, were not counties or the like. They were shires. And the person who's, who was in charge of keeping peace in the shire was known as a reeve. And there were reeves, and then there was the high reeve of each uh, shire. And that's where you get your word sheriff from, the shire reeve. And it just became that. That could be called a king in the Roman parlance. So anybody who had men-at-arms and had people who followed him could be called a king, and that was not considered a threat to Rome. Here is your king. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Who shouted? The they refers to the same people that are shouting in verse 12. Not the Jewish people as a whole, the leaders and the rabble-rousers. Look at it this way. Left or right, whatever demonstration is in the street, does that automatically reflect to all Americans? That these, this is what all Americans are thinking. Well, no. No, that's the edge of this party or that party. The people that got motivated to make a sign. <clears throat> I love Stephen Wright, the, the comedian who says, I'm against protesting, but I don't know how to show it. It's hilarious, people. The fact that you're not in a floor rolling concerns me. And if you're thinking, well, you could have told it better. Have you ever heard Stephen Wright? He just stands there with the monotone <laughs> into the mic. Pray it. Anyway, um, take him away, take him away. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate answered. And oh, here they go. They're throwing a trump card on the table. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Stop right there. What religious leader of the Jews would refer to Caesar as their king? That's blasphemy to a Jew. To a Jew? Um, no, people. Your king is God. You have one king. They are blaspheming to get a man they accuse of blasphemy killed because they don't care about the blasphemy. They don't care about the health and dignity of the state. 
all they want is him to be shut down because if, they're, if he's shut down, they keep their power. Please remember the bizarre, weird parable that Jesus set up. When he said a man owns a field, but he lets other people work it. When he sent a man to collect his rent, they killed him. So he sends somebody else, they kill him. So he sends his son, thinking they will not dare to kill my son. When they see the son coming, they say, hey, if we kill him, we get to keep the field. And you're thinking, what idiot would think that's the way the world works? Now you know what he's talking about. Remember last week, the high priest had said Jesus was the son of God. But they believed if they killed him, they might have some trouble, sometimes in the wilderness, but they get to keep their gig. What's every politician's goal to stay a politician? What's every, what's every, every group uh, wants to sustain itself? And here, this is going on. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which is in Aramaic called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Let's, um, just to let you know, the stations of the cross and, you know, that Jesus fell under the cross and like, all of that was added later. There's no history behind. Uh, There's no indication in scripture or in the early letters of Christians back and forth to each other that Jesus fell under the cross or that had he fallen, such fall would have been commemorated at different stations. Do I therefore object to people that do the walk of Emmaus or any of the stations of the cross? No, no. You're doing that unto the Lord. Do that unto the Lord. Enjoy that. Uh, enjoy is a wrong word, but you understand what I mean. What I'm saying is we, it's so easy to wrap things in here. Jesus was tough, even though beaten. The Bible says they did find somebody and they compelled him to car- carry the cross a little ways, but then Jesus takes it back, and that's often not, rem- not noticed. Jesus never asked to be pulled off of it. <coughs> we don't see any falling in Scripture. Jesus was a lot tougher than people think. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. Remember, he's, he's putting himself out there. He has already been very risky. We judge Pilate too harshly. I'm sorry, but I, maybe it's because grace is what I'm all about now. I think we need to extend more grace to Pilate. You read this carefully. Did he make an error? Yes, but I'm not certain he had much in the way of a choice at this stage. And again, we can disagree and say, yes, he could could go and be crucified with Jesus. That's not much of a choice. You know, that really isn't. By the way, his wife told him, don't do this. He went against his wife too. Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. And I mean, and again, they're low. It doesn't have to look up. The crosses are low. We talked about that before. Feet were always just a foot or so above the ground so that people could abuse or so that people could be terrified, either one. Uh, the chief priest of the Jews, again, notice it's not the Jews. It's a group. Protested to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I've written, I've written. He took a big risk doing this. A big risk. It's a protest against what he felt forced into. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares. (coughs) Sorry, sorry. 
one for each of them, and with the undergarment remaining. The, the garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Um, let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. That happens so that the scripture might be fulfilled that says, they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. That's in Psalm 22, verse 18. Who, why would you gamble over one garment, basically a wrapping robe, uh, that by this time in Jesus' life has got to be um, stained, got to have rips in it somewhere, repaired, but rips. And if he was wearing it during any time of this, it, it's also covered with sweat and bits of blood as well. I know by this time they'd put on a purple robe on him, but you know what I mean. They put that on and took it off, so I have the feeling they put his clothes back on him, but I, I don't know. The reason is, please remember, back then things were scarce. Um, the old Scarborough Fair song uh, actually has like 30 verses in English. It's an English folk song. And none of them, none of them mention how she looks. But it'll be things like, can she bake and can she make a shirt and things like this. Uh, because that's utility is what you married a woman for, utility. Um, and uh, stuff was rare. So they, they bargain of it. Think about this. Here are these people writhing in pain all around them, and they're just, you know, well, I'd like to have that. It was a hard course life. And I want you to remember that because the news wants to tell you that this is the worst it's ever been. And they're lying. Absolutely lying. There's a three-volume series called The Encyclopedia of Wars. I read. And it's every, every conflict in history. And of course, it has to be continually updated. And every time I say this, people don't believe it. I just, just go check the data. There are fewer wars right now than at any time in human history. Fewer conflicts. What, but we're shooting each other. Here, I'm really going to get into it. There are also fewer mass shootings. It is now, though, we have 24-7 news. And we have people who are paid to keep us terrified. And so it has to be continually ginned up, terrified. And that's just awful. It absolutely is, but that's the truth of it. Whenever, you, whenever I talk to God, I've had people say, if you could be born at any time in history, when would it be? And I always say right now. Now, not when I was born, but right now, because I want every available advance. We've had a lot of advances. This was a hard, horrible time. That's what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. Mary had perhaps the worst life of anybody I can think of, really. And I, I talk about it um, a lot, especially around Christmas, that every time we see a picture of her, she's either holding the baby Jesus or the dying Jesus, you know, either Madonna or La Pieta. And uh, she's always in this position, therefore, and always looking like this, the way photographers do people's head. She's always wearing light blue with a white headband or something and glowing a bit. This would have been a woman with scars on her hands, wrinkles on her face, sadness burned into her. Because her entire life she was considered a harlot, loose. Even her own sons did not believe the story of how Jesus was born, not until the resurrection. 
Joseph disappears. Could have died, but whenever dying is the best of any option we can think of, that's pretty sad, isn't it? Since he was sadiq, according to scripture, that's a particular term, righteous, but it, it was like a title they gave to certain people. He would have had the right, once he found uncleanness in her, if he decided not to believe the story later, to desert her and all issue of that marriage, those kids, and go start all over. You know he had a hard time with his business because people did not want to fellowship somebody who married somebody like Mary. And now she stands and watches her son die. His mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, Mary Magdalene, a lot of Marys. Did you notice there are a lot of Simons in the reading this day? They, they, they found a name they liked and used it. When Jesus saw him, by the way, Jesus was the most common name in the first century. When you take its variants, Jesus and Joshua and Joseph are really the same name. It's how you emphasize and pronounce them that makes it different. Um, near, so again, he used, the, and there's a significance to Jesus just saying, just call me Bob, just call me Joe. When Jesus saw his mother there, and so he's able to see a bit, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. We find later in the writings, particularly of Polycarp, but there are some others, that that identifies this without question as John. And I say without question, although there are arguments made, and they're not bad arguments, frankly. Uh, they're, they're, they've almost convinced me a couple times that it's referring to Luke. Um, because Luke had ends with Mary that nobody else had. When Luke writes his gospel, he's the only one who writes what Mary thought and what Mary said in private. And there are other indications. So you can make an excellent argument that this is Luke. Traditionally, this has been John, and I'm comfortable either way. But think about that, and we'll close with this because some of you need to get away to get to your mothers, and I get that as well. And by the way, we're always aware that sometimes holidays are nerve-wracking for you because your families come from a different kind of Church of Christ. It's okay if you can't come here on those days. We get that. You, the problem is if you go to a real conservative one, when you walk in and people come up to say, oh, are you visiting today? Your cover's blown. So uh, anyway, I, and, oh, I've done that. I didn't mean to. But in Rochester, it seemed to happen every year when people would come in, mom and dad, somebody about 18 or 24, somewhere in there. And I would introduce myself to them, and the, person, the, the young person's eyes are huge. They had come to watch a graduation from high school or, or university, and they thought their kid had always come there. <laughs> I'm giving them a visitor card. It took forever before I realized, don't do that. Act like you know, oh, there you are, that person again. There, you're standing there and all. Anyway. <clears throat> I love it that on the cross, what was Jesus thinking of? Forgiving everybody, making sure his mama was taken care of. Guys, let me talk to you. A woman can have a headache and a viral infection, and she's still thinking about two days from now, um, I need to get a meal plan. And I need to make sure the sheets are done and such. 
when a guy has a headache, that's all we're doing. We're having a headache. Can you do this? No, I'm having a headache. Or if I have a cold, everything else shuts down. No, I'm not doing anything. I have a cold. Cold's a kryptonite to me. I admire the fact that women can multitask. Now, you have to be a certain age to understand this. Women are windows. Men are DOS. Does that help some of you? All right, we can only do one line function at a time. Uh, and and that's, that's why. Don't talk to us during the game. Just don't. Uh, it's like, uh-huh, okay, right. And we agree to stuff we don't know we agreed to. Uh, you know, why is your mother-in-law living with us? Well, you, you, anyway, uh, that was during the Preds game. doesn't count. Um, I, uh, I so admire Jesus in the middle of really the worst pain I can imagine. And he's thinking of us. Forgiveness. He's thinking of his mama. I want to be Jesus when I grow up. All right? I got to let you go. It's time. Happy Mother's Day to those for whom it's a happy Mother's Day. We love you, and mamas, you rock.